McGregor vs. Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. It's much like hockey. It's much like basketball. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. It's the McGregor vs. Poirier rubber match. Get in on all the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. All throughout the week, that's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to a special edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian Cameron, and today we're going off the board a little bit, uh, no pun intended. Uh, we are not talking about any specific NHL games. We're not talking about uh, betting. We're not talking about money lines, totals, any of that stuff. We're doing something a little bit different today because our special guest today had some interesting uh, things I, that I wanted to talk about and bring as a focus and a topic for this particular show. Uh, he is His name is Kevin Rain. He's been a longtime junior hockey player, professional hockey player, and is still playing uh, pro hockey uh, overseas. Uh, he's doing a lot of work with young kids in terms of hockey development. He's a big, big proponent of raising awareness for mental health. A lot of people have been dealing with mental health struggles, depression, especially in a year that we've all had to endure dealing with COVID-19. I know even I've had my own struggles with mental health earlier in my lifetime, uh, especially in my younger years. So it, it was a good guest, I thought, to bring on to talk about some of these uh, subjects and some of these important topics that really us as human beings, you know, we all deal with this at some point in time. So without further ado, uh, happy to welcome my special guest for the special edition of the show, Kevin Rain. Kevin, thanks for joining the show and uh, welcome. Hey, appreciate it, Ian. Uh, I know it's been a bit of a long time coming. We've been back and forth here and there trying to find a spot to uh, slot this in and uh, you know, I've, I've tuned in briefly to previous episodes and, you know, it truly is a lot different than uh, than other episodes as we, you know, as you said, aren't going to be talking so much about the usual topics and and might not be deep diving so much into specific games or whatever. Surely we'll touch on the, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup final and stuff like that. But uh, yes, no, it's been uh, it's been quite a year for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, that's led me to uh, to do what I've been up to and. I myself have taken a year off of uh, professional hockey and have had to find uh, a groove by other means. And uh, fortunately, I get to go back. Yeah, absolutely. We will get into what you've done previously in hockey and what you're going to be doing uh, moving forward in terms of your uh, pro hockey career. But uh, first, we will touch upon the Stanley Cup final. And I'll preface this by saying Kevin doesn't tune into NHL nightly. He doesn't follow the league day in and day out. Like I know many of our viewers do because we're watching, we're betting the games. We're totally locked in. We know every stat known to man 
about each team, about the key players, who's in, who's out, who's injured, who's in good form, who's not in good form. Kevin doesn't really follow and watch too much hockey outside of playing it. And that's it's rare. But hey, sometimes you got to put yourself in Kevin's shoes here. Sometimes you just want that escape. You know, you play the game and maybe you don't all, you know, just get away from it a little bit. You know, I don't need to be watching hockey every single night. There's other things to do with my life. I, I play the game. Isn't that enough? Right. It's that kind of feeling. But uh, I know, Kevin, though, you have been uh, keeping an eye on the Stanley Cup final here with the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you have a connection with one of the players on the Montreal Canadiens who just happens to be someone that's just from down the road where I am here in Hamilton. That would be Josh Anderson. And what a time for you to bring up the connection to him, Kevin, considering he scores two goals last night in the Game 4 victory for Montreal, including the OTGWG. Yes. Well, you know, like you said, I, I'm not uh, frequent to tuning in. It is a lot when you're playing full time and training and then tuning in. Uh, you know, I'll see what kind of comes up on the Instagram feeds and I'll keep in touch that way. But um, other than that, just kind of checking, uh, checking the highlights, seeing the goals and stuff like that. But uh, yes, I, I played with Josh Anderson uh, in London. And so to see him uh, having the success he's having uh, uh this late in the season uh, scoring a couple of ot winners is pretty special i'm definitely rooting for them uh, canadians in a tough spot uh given they went down three and uh you know uh to claw back against that tampa bay team i'm not sure uh we'll see you know anything can happen and uh confident that if they've got andy playing the way he's been playing that uh hey who knows what happens yeah absolutely he's played great this whole, these whole playoffs and we were talking just before we started the live uh uh, show here uh, about you know, the role of enforcers and you know how fighting's been sort of you know it, we're worried about its future and now if you're going to drop the gloves you can't just be that limited one-dimensional enforcer you're there just to fight essentially like the Bob Properts and the uh, Darren Kimballs and going all the way back I'm dating myself now bringing up some of these names but uh, shows you how long I've been watching hockey but you know now you're going to have to be someone that can do multiple things not just fight you can you know you're good at both ends of the ice you're responsible you can win face-offs you can be out on the penalty kill you can play on the power play whatever the case you can score a little bit Tom Wilson's an example. I'd even say Josh Anderson, the guy we're just talking about. Kevin's a great example. He's one of those players. He's that physical uh, player where he's got that uh, big, he's, he's strong, he's powerful. He, he's got a great skating stride. I think his speed for a guy his size is pretty remarkable. And, and then, of course, he's got that finishing ability. He's got that offensive upside too, and he can drop the gloves every now and then. So you, I find that if you can do multiple things now as an NHL player, uh, that's the role they're looking for. You just can't be that guy that's just out there to be that enforcer, that policeman, if you will, on the ice anymore. Yeah, and you were touching on briefly in the previous chat we had about how, uh, you know, what you have come to know of the EIHL over in the UK is that it's a bit of a bruiser league. And we were kind of talking about how uh, that's not necessarily the case anymore. There was a time when fighters you know, only did have to know how to fight. And uh, now that, uh, you know, you got to come in, you got to offer more, you have to have a more well-rounded game. It was kind of when they were weeding those guys out initially that you saw them all kind of go to the EIHL. But, uh, you know, me playing there for the last, uh, this will be my fourth season over the last five years. Uh, you know, I, I haven't had to fight much. I play, a, you know, a, a hard-nosed game and uh, haven't, uh, haven't found my gloves off too many times. But, uh, you know, I try to talk my way out of those. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's one of those situations where, hey, sometimes I don't always want to drop the gloves in this spot against that guy, you know, <laughs> but sometimes it's got to be done, especially if you're sticking up for one of your teammates. That's usually uh, when you might jump in in a situation like that. All right, we'll get to your hockey stuff in a minute. 
But first, I want to go toward what you've been doing in terms of mental health awareness. And it's been a big proponent of what you've been doing. You've got your own uh, YouTube channel. You've been doing podcasts. You've been doing videos regarding spreading awareness, having people as a guest on your podcast that have had struggles with depression, that have had struggles uh, with mental health. And it's a good time to talk about these kind of issues coming off a COVID-19 pandemic where, look, there's a lot of factors from the pandemic that can lead to depression, that can lead to you battling with mental health uh, struggles and anxiety, you know, loss of a family member if they have lost, you know, lost their life because of the virus, losing your job, you know, and being able to pay your rent has, has been a struggle for a lot of people, you know, in terms of just being able to live day to day. There's been so many uh, issues that people have had to battle through emotionally and mentally uh, over the last year or so. So you stepping up at a time like this, Kevin, and trying to be an outlet uh, for people that are battling these kind of issues on a day in and day out basis. It, it, the timing couldn't be better. Uh, talk a little bit about what you've been doing in that regard. Yeah, so, I mean, at the end of last season, everything kind of came to a pretty abrupt halt. Um, and that saw all of us, at least in Belfast, return home. Uh, and, and in my return home, I spent a lot of time not doing very much. I spent my time, you know, lazing around, you know, get up for what, go to bed for what. And I, I found a really, really bad cycle of, of uh, what what my days look like, right? Which of course then leads to you know now the thoughts are creeping in. Now I've got nothing to look forward to. I'm not particularly excited about anything, and you know there's no doubt that uh, you know in the instances that you mentioned, you know the loss of a family member or uh, losing your job and these things. There's there's uh, always something that can set you off course. But then it's about re-correcting and getting back on course. That's the important part. And so there's no doubt that each and every single one of us are subject to having a bad day. But then, of course, that bad day could turn into two, which could turn into a week, which can turn into, you know, weeks, months, years. Right. And so, you know, it took me about two months at home of, uh, you know, kind of waiting for what was next, hoping. Right. Of course, there's lockdown stuff. So that's further compounding the the issues that, of course, everyone was facing at the time. And so, uh, you know, in that, I've, I've talked over the last couple of years about uh, shaving my head for a cause. Um, and at the time, you know, last year, I'd said, I think for the second time, the, the thing is, I think over the last two years or three years, I've said I was going to do it twice. Uh, but then I, I didn't do it the first time around uh, because I was waiting for an opportunity. And then now this time I said, all right, I'm going to do it. But of course, without the live audiences or any, you know, the ability to bring people together, I've still put that off seeing that my hair is doing like the Alanis Morissette thing. It's fully down cover and I go topless. It's covering me totally. And, um, you know, I've, I've waited for that. But then in, in doing that, I'm trying to figure out, OK, well, where is this money going to go? Where is any donation going to go? But then thinking further on that, it's like, is it a money thing? Do I just want to hand money over, say I cut my hair for mental health and then be done with it? Or is there more to be done here? Is there more effect that can be made by action? And that led me to decide that I wanted to have discussions. And the very first discussion was with my mom and we went for a car ride just to kind of offload all these ideas. Uh, you know, and so it's a 45 minute car ride of me and mom going like, oh man, like, like what do I, like, what do we do? Do we give away money and like, it disappears or or do we talk about it well what should we do uh, which then led into discussions with 
ex-teammates, which led into discussions with, uh, you know, mental health professionals in the field. Um, and then, you know, strangers reaching out with a story. And, and uh, you know, the more diverse those conversations got, the more people got to see them. And in the case that, you know, say I continue to do that, um, you know, I think that no doubt by having these conversations, it allows more people to have them realize how normal it is to have a bad day that might lead into a few more bad days and, and how effective and how liberating that can be to discuss that in a safe space. And so I just think the more that we can have these discussions, the more people are affected positively. It's, it's so true because you keep it closed inside of you and you don't talk to anybody about what you're going through. It's going to make things worse and it's going to make the, uh, the emotions worse. It's going to make your, your struggles even harder to overcome where if you open up a little bit and you have a, a lending ear, or someone that cares, someone that's listening to your uh, concerns, your struggles, your worries, uh, it's going to go a long way to maybe helping that person turn the corner you know, and eventually get on the right the path. I mean, I've had, if you want to talk about some specific uh, struggles you've dealt with, you can, and it's a second, but even for me, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't the popular uh, in school. I wasn't the popular kid. And it was a, a, a depression type of thing for me that I was going through. You know, I was always that one. I was off, you know, in the corner doing my own thing. And it was difficult for, I was shy. I was timid. I was all kinds of those things. It was not easy for me to make friends and that kind of thing. And, you know, through elementary school, I got through it. But then all of a sudden you're going to high school. There's all kinds of new you know, people you've never talked to or seen before. And at that point in my life, you know, high school was like it was I, I would say it was almost like you're going to the, uh, you know, the death chamber. Almost it felt like for me, it was just that panic. Like, uh, I'm not going to I'm going to have to try to meet new people. I'm not good at it. I struggle with it. I'm worried. I'm petrified. People are going to respect me, like me, want to be a friend of mine, that kind of thing. And I'd wake up every morning and I'd have the it'd be the sweats. It would be the knots in the stomach. It would be just this dread of, my gosh, I got to start. I got to wake up and start this day and go to school. And that's where things were at for me, you know, at that point in time. And it was just difficult for me to associate and have relationships with other people and uh, very, very, you know, secluded, unfortunately, back in those days for me. Now I can't shut up. You know, so it, you know, things have completely kind of turned around for me. And now I'm in such a completely different place now where I feel confident. I've got, you know, friends that I've made, you know, in the area, people that I and and really it was toward the end of high school and college where I overcame it. And, you know, I started to have a little bit more confidence in myself. And it was just that scare. And I think the, that fear and that belief that, hey, you know, you're a good kid. You know, there's there's people, there's things people will like about you. Just, you know, believe in yourself, have that confidence and take that step because you, that's what you have to do. You know, if you're battling a demon and you don't think you can overcome it, if you don't have the will to take the first step to try to overcome it, you're never going to overcome it. I finally did that and in a different spot now. And now I'm in a job that I love. I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, being able to work from home, you know, for the last 10 years as a sports better and handicapper and now get to do shows daily talking about something I love. I've met so many great people. Uh, in the business, uh, either personally, face-to-face, -face, when I've made trips south of the border, specifically to Las Vegas, uh, people that I've done shows virtually with on YouTube. They're all great people. We have formed incredible friendships. And now to see the place I'm in with my, I guess, my social surroundings, now compared to, say, that, you know, that kid from 15 to 20 years ago that was battling just to make one friend and find one friend, uh, it's amazing. And uh, I, 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 I took that step. Thank God I did. And I'm in a much different spot now because of it. 
no, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I think just looking at the, at the story in its entirety, like we all want to be accepted. We all want love and acceptance. And if we're not receiving that, we're not getting that we're having, you know, we had a couple bad experiences, which is now just brought in this fear of everything to come. You know, you think everyone's against you. You think everyone's, everyone's talking about you. You think that you won't be accepted and you haven't given yourself that chance to, you know, determine whether or not you would be. Um, But, you know, I think that's experienced uh, so much by everyone, right? Whether that's, me going out in public or meeting a new group or, you know, I'll step in the the Belfast Giants locker room again this season in front of 20 new faces. Right. And I I want the boys to like me. I want the boys to accept me. You know, we all want that. And, um, you know, I think, you know, the, the real, real thing that we, we have to focus on in this discussion is to be kind, be kind, be accepting, be open. You know, people are different, you know, whether either race or sexuality, you know, anything that can make them different in any way, they are different. It doesn't make them wrong or bad or anything else, you know, and, you know, if they, they deserve the same respect as everybody else, you know, we all deserve respect regardless of, of where we're at or, or what our scenario is, it, it, regardless of what kind of scenario we're in. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's what I have to say. I'm glad that, you know, of course you had a moment or a time period in your, in your life where, you were able to take that step, as you say, and and now look where you are rather than having continued down that. And what does that look like? And, you know, that of course, because we all walk this path of wanting that acceptance and having that fear, you know, it doesn't always wind up good for people. And so, you know, having those support systems around and, you know, hopefully having people that have heard this discussion to understand the importance of being kind and being accepting and, you know, hey, like he's sitting by himself, like, come on over, like, Hey, how are you? What are you up to? You know, just especially in a school setting is, is my, my thinking. Right. But yeah, if we can just be more, more accepting and more, more kind and more loving to one another, then, you know, we have less of these situations occurring. Yeah, exactly. And uh, especially face to face, that's, that's where you really want to be, you know, including uh, and, and accepting, as you mentioned, uh, and just uh, getting to know other people. That's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, there's much more that we have to overcome in terms of getting a tolerant society these days, thanks to, unfortunately, social. Now, social media for me is a godsend because I use it properly. I use it respectfully. You know, I'm going to go out there on Twitter sometimes. I'm going to call out a manager, but I'm not going to talk about race. I'm not going to talk about religion. I'm not going to talk about their background or bring their family into it. I'm just going to say, hey, that manager, what a terrible job he is putting that pitcher in or whatever the case may be. Hey, going for it on fourth down on that on that play. If you're the NFL coach, what the hell are you thinking? That, that's what I'm going to say. I'm not right. going to insult them personally or any member of their family. And unfortunately, you've got people now that use Twitter, that use Facebook, Instagram, all these social media platforms. They can insult anybody they want, put it on there, the keyboard warriors, as I like to say, and not be held accountable for it. And these are usually people that don't feel any sort of remorse for hurting someone else with words. And even though you're not saying it, you see them typed on the screen, it can hurt people. So, and unfortunately, there is that group of people that do that, use that just to basically insult and and, and get on other people and, and really, you know, and, and be cruel about it, you know, and hate filled, 
you know, about it. Where they will bring up race, they will bring up religion, they will bring up like the po political world. I try to stay away. I'm done talking publicly about my political beliefs and all that, but it is it absolutely sickens me. And I don't care if you're liberal, I don't care if you're a conservative, I don't care whatever. There used to be a time, especially in my younger years and when my parents were younger too, you could have a political disagreement and still say, but you know what, you're a good guy. Uh, it's a respectful disagreement. I like you. We're still good friends, uh, but we disagree on our political stripes here. You know, we're on different sides of the fence there, but hey, guess what? I'm still your friend. I still love you. You're still a good person. you got a great family. You treat everybody the way they should want to be treated. And we don't have that now. It almost feels like oh, that so many people, if you're against me politically, I hate you. And I've got, I can't talk to you ever again. I'm done with you. And you're seeing this kind of uh, basically behavior, I find, across mm -hmm. the board for with a lot of people. And not just politically. I mean, any other disagreements, too. Where just you have a simple disagreement and it turns into the end of a friendship, the end of a relationship. I'm never speaking to you again. And then you start insulting their, them and their family and all that. And I find myself saying, where is society going right now? here in 2021 because in some instances kevin it's not going to a place i want it to mm -hmm. yeah i think you know to touch on the the social media and the you know the issues you see in those discussions i think it's very very important to acknowledge that while there are so many people doing this online there is a larger group of people who sit back and go right they, they shake their head they stay away they don't need to be involved and it's because those people know that by making that comment they're not providing anything and they're wasting their own energy by putting anything they could out there because you know beyond that problem the online social problem is the problem that everyone's so defensive of their own beliefs that they're not willing to be open to maybe learn something right like if i'm in a conversation with you and we do talk about the politics or we do talk about something you know i i'm i'm creating an opportunity for you to potentially change my mind but if you don't change my mind then at least we can leave the conversation the old school way, as you say, where, you know, I'm not going to be upset at you for believing that I might, you know, not be very strongly in my own belief, but, you know, I don't want to hate you because you think differently, you know, and then maybe that's an instance where, you know, if we both come to the conversation with an open mind and, you know, don't not assuming that we're right and that we could teach each other something. Well, maybe we both leave the conversation better. And then in those discussions, just like the mental health ones, just like politics, just like literally any discussion you can have, you come to the conversation with an open mind, you might leave a little better for it. But if you don't come up to it with an open mind, you come to it closed minded and right. And anybody that's not right is wrong. And if they're wrong, they're idiots. And if they're idiots, they're, you know, whatever. They're nothing to me well, what kind of environment are we creating, either it be in the workplace or, you know, at school or whatever, if that's what we bring to that, you know, so just, again, more acceptance, more open mindedness. And, uh, you know, don't assume you know everything. More tolerance and a willingness to learn, even if you disagree with the opinion of someone else, learn and find out, okay, I totally disagree with your point of view. But why do you feel that way? Let me hear you know, mm -hmm. let me listen here. What, 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 why, why are you against me in terms of what do you see maybe that I don't, you know, you could at least, you can at least hear it out and be respectful, be courteous. And you don't have to just say, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm done with you. I'm not going to talk to you ever again. And that's, like I do, you know, am I, am I ever going to on an NBA show? Like we're going to do an NBA finals show for a game, one of the bucks and the Suns in a couple hours on pub sports radio. 
and I'm going to be with my colleagues there. I like the Suns tonight in game one. If my colleague says he likes Milwaukee tonight, I'm not going to say, well, you're an idiot. You're a moron. Uh, I'm done with you. I'm not doing shows with you ever again. You're not my friend ever again. No, not, not in a million years. I mean, you've got to be tolerant and respectful of a of someone that does not agree with your opinion. It's simple as that. You got to listen to it. And if you don't agree, and if you still don't agree with it, then you say, you know what? I don't agree with it, but hey, I respect your opinion. And I'm, you know, you're, and at the end of the day, who the hell cares if, if you disagree? Is right. the person that you're disagreeing with a good human being? You know, are they living life the right way? Do they treat others well. Do they have a good family or do they treat them well? You know, how do they carry themselves uh, as a human being? regardless of whether you disagree with them on a certain topic. That's what matters in the end. So to me, I, I find too much of that. It's right away, I think cancel culture is part of that. And that's there's a cancel culture element in all of this. You disagree with me. I don't agree with it. You will not change my mind. And I cannot stand by someone that thinks the way you do. Get out of my life. Mm -hmm. You're done. You're done. And, and unfortunately, there's people that think that right now. And it's, 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 it's saddening. It's saddening because I think it's a much more difficult society now than it's been in previous decades to be tolerant of others when they don't share the same thoughts or beliefs or opinions as you. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, again, back to the social media, if you do have an opinion that is hateful or, you know, maybe we'll call it wrong, you know, everyone has their opinion. Uh, the issue is that you can easily find a community of people online that might be as hateful or more than you are which are then shaping your views and, and reaffirming your views, uh, you know, maybe in a negative light, you know? And so in the case of, you know, there's a lot of, you know, pol politics going on regarding like race and racism, right? And if if you are hateful for whatever reason you are, it's, it's a shame that you're able to find that community of people online and be fed whatever it is they're feeding you, uh, which leads into the next point. You know, I, I recommend to anybody, you know, working on their own mental health or or how they're feeling their you know overall wellness you know there's things that you got to shut off there's things that you can't look at there's things that don't deserve your energy you know I'll, I'll look at a few memes and laugh at them yeah sure but you know if they're if the humor is distasteful or the humor gets me thinking about you know for example you might see a meme that says oh like you know what she says she's doing versus what she's actually doing it's regarding like a girlfriend or something. It might be a funny picture, ha, ha, ha. But it's like, you know, that's some negativity I don't think you need to be seeing, especially consistently. You know, and yeah, so I, in my own, uh, you know, over the last year, in my own, you know, pursuit of like being better, uh, you know, I, it's away with the memes. It's away with the, the humor pages, away with like the stuff that I think, you know, A, it's burning up my time because I'm scrolling for hours on it. And B, you know, it's, it's not exactly what I want to be reading. And so now in come all the, the positive accounts where if you are deciding to focus your attention on, you know, health and wellness, well, now I'm following psychologists, I'm following, uh, you know, traditional medicine folks or just, just different channels, right? And we have the ability to, so long as we recognize, you know, what are you watching? What are you feeding yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, great stuff about the mental health discussion. It's a discussion that is, there's never a bad day to have that discussion. Uh, check out Kevin's work on YouTube, uh, his channel. He's done a bunch of uh, podcasts, he's different guests with their own mental health experiences in the past. So check that out. Uh, make sure because, and again, just know that, uh, talk about it. If you've got some kind of thing that's bothering you in the pit of your stomach, 
the worst thing you can do is close everybody off and not talk about it to anybody. You got to do that. Uh, that's very, very important. No question. Uh, Kevin, we'll pivot to your hockey days uh, now, your pro hockey career, which is still ongoing, about to resume overseas in Belfast, Ireland, uh, in the EIHL. And I'm sure you're looking forward to getting back to it. Uh, talk about, you know, where you play. I know Sudbury, right, was your Ontario Hockey League junior team way back in the day. Uh, but, uh, yeah, talk about your journey through the up, uh, hockey ranks for you. All right. Well, first, before I go all the way back there, uh, I have to – uh, you know, because we're talking politics and stuff like that, I do have to correct you and say that I'm going to Belfast, Northern Ireland, not Northern Ireland, actually in the UK. Ireland, good point. EU. Like Rory McIlroy, right? He's Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Ireland. He's yeah. not Ireland. Yes, there's a big difference. Yes. yes. And so if you have an understanding or a brief understanding of the history in Belfast, uh, you know, a little bit of political divide there. And uh, I made the mistake uh, of, uh, you know, saying, that I was going to Ireland and I quickly had, uh, and this was, you know, years ago, I uh, can't wait to go to Ireland. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like it's Northern Ireland. I'm like, Hey, okay. Like, I don't, I didn't know that you guys were at war within the last, you know, 30 years or whatever, but anyhow, a lot of political stuff. It's kind of like the way Ontario and Quebec was in the nineties when they wanted to separate, you know, for a little bit at that time, there was yeah. that little fracture between the two you know, mm. provinces. It's kind of like, I guess there's something, I don't know if it's exactly similar, but there's co obviously conflict, Ireland versus the Northern yeah. Ireland territory. Yep. Right. So some conflict there, but so winding it back, uh, I grew up in Dryden, Ontario, uh, moved away at the age of 15 to go play AAA in Kenora. That was an hour and a half west of me, uh, and then was drafted into the London Knights. Uh, I was drafted in the 94 draft as a 93 uh, so missed my first year uh, and then was luckily able to get caught in that, that you know, overage year, call it. Uh, down to London for a couple good years, great experience. And then eventually was traded to Sudbury where I played my half of my 19-year-old year and 20-year-old year. And uh, I have to have to thank uh, Mark and Dale Hunter for that move because they traded me out with the intention of building to build a, uh, you know, competitive team to go win again that year. Um but ultimately I was a scratch. I wasn't playing much and that move allowed me to play. And so learned so much in London, uh, you know, what an organization. And then I was able to take that experience to Sudbury and, and then uh, into my pro career. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, the, the hunters, it goes without saying Dale, Mark, uh, throw Tim Hunter in there. And as they say on Letterkenny, those are some tough pricks. Uh, and that's exactly the case. Uh, no question. Uh, they were tough. Uh, they were. They would stand down to nobody uh, on the ice when they played the game. Uh, and yeah, the, I'll tell you what. When you're playing junior hockey and you got guys like that to coach you and learn from, that's got to be a hell of an experience, is it not? Man, I, I don't know how they do it because they are, you know, that old school kind of coach. At least what I would call an old school coach and. You know, I, if I made some mistakes, I was hearing about it on, on video and, you know, the accountability was very, very high. And, uh, you know, it's amazing uh, the pros that they're able to forge out of uh, out of that team, out of that. You know, I look at a team picture and I'm one of few that isn't in the NHL, never mind just playing pro. Uh, and so they got the stuff, man. They got they got uh, they got a good thing going there. And, uh you know, that same accountability they try to hold on guys, you know, wherever I've gone elsewhere where they try to do the same thing, the player 
doesn't get the same response. And so their ability to kind of walk that fine line of very, very high expectation without uh, kind of taking the wind out of a player's sales is, is very, you know, secret sauce, call it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't get how they do it. I would love to have a conversation with them on exactly that. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, just a factory, you know, NHL player factory, the London Knights. They have been, uh, you know, so many, the countless, countless number of quality players have come out from that London Knights team uh, over the years. And uh, I remember the team way back when it had uh, uh, Robbie Shrimp, it had uh, Perry on it, it, Mike Richards. I mean, it was arguably one of the greatest assembled OHL or junior hockey teams of all time, the one that won the Memorial Cup that year uh, in the early 2000s. There's no question that was a great group uh, that year for the uh, London Knights, and they built a very good winning culture, winning environment there uh, with that group. I'll talk about now Belfast. This is fa- this is the fascinating part because, look, when you think of hockey hotbeds in these in the in the planet, you don't think of Ireland or Northern Ireland, I should say. Right. You don't think of that uh, being a hockey hotbed. But here you are playing Belf- in Belfast for the EIHL. Talk about experiences. I think the team's been pretty good since you've been there too. I think I've seen your highlights. You've won some championships. You've had a lot of success there. So talk about the past. Talk about how have you gotten ready for returning to play? I mean, obviously training off season and exercising, all that stuff and working out fitness, all that is a critical component to getting a player ready for the upcoming season. And I know you're going back there to play, but unfortunately here, particularly in Ontario, we know it's been harder than hard. Uh, for anybody to, you know, gyms have been, I think, un- unfairly uh, put in this position where they've been closed for so long. And, you know, it's not just about, hey, keeping yourself in good shape. We talk about mental health. Mental health sometimes is phys- physical health and being able to work out, being able to keep yourself in good shape maybe leads to better mental health because you feel better. You're, you feel more confident. You know, you're not as self-conscious about yourself. If you can work out, keep yourself in good shape, it gives you something to do during the day but for some reason i think the gyms have been penalized far too much by the restrictions caused by the pandemic so how's that impacted you in particular as you're getting ready for this season and just talk about overall uh, being in belfast playing in that league well so after when i you know jumped into the pro ranks i spent two years in the uh, la kings organization playing for uh, you know the monarchs that then became the ontario reign uh, and after two years of that thought okay maybe a mix-up will benefit me i'll get to uh, go to a different team different club and try to you know make myself uh you know a full-timer because uh, those first two years pro i'm in and out of the lineup i'm scratched i'm you know trying to find ways to separate myself one of which you know, uh, you know should i fight should i do more fighting and ultimately i didn't do that i wanted to play uh, left and went to the uh, carolina hurricanes organization where i was between charlotte and florida and ultimately uh, in a situation there where hey you'll play when you get when somebody gets hurt next thing you know i'm out for two calendar months nobody's going down and you know these guys are all on their two-way nhl ahl deals while i'm on my you know two-way east coast ahl deal and you know it, it was just it wasn't a situation where i was set to to thrive in unfortunately and uh, after two calendar months of not playing it's like okay you know next year next year is going to look different i'm going to take a take a shot somewhere else and you know kind of nix the whole north american thing and so in comes the opportunity to go to Belfast. I had guys that uh, I knew that were playing there, uh, training partners in the summertime who uh, talked it up to be quite a spot. 
And, uh, you know, they, they were able to uphold those promises because, you know, everything they said the, the organization and the city was, the country was, uh, it was all, you know, awesome. Uh, it's been an amazing time over there. And, uh, you know, of course, you said, you know, this pandemic has really thrown a wrench into things. I was working construction last summer and I just spent a, a year in the classroom because I knew that I wanted to be close to home during the whole COVID thing. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to go play for a new club in a new place in these times so uh, I intentionally took the year off and now uh, you know have done what I could stay in shape I've got access to you know a couple of uh, unique uh, you know home gyms we'll call it and uh, you know I, that's the, the whole off-ice fitness thing has always been my strength uh, you know the on-ice skill is what I wish I could really you know get to work on as you said things are locked down gyms are locked down so I've made the best of best of what I could. And I'm really, really excited to return to Belfast um, as I've, you know, taken the year off and, you know, that message of play as long as you can that any guy that's ever retired will ever say uh, is ringing pretty loud for me right now. You know, I take the year off and of course, not sure if it's going to, am I retired? Am I not a hockey player anymore? Like what is next? And uh, you know, I, I'm very grateful to the Belfast or Belfast Giants organization for having the trust in me to, you know, maintain my fitness over this course of the year off. And I'm set to go back and everything from the fans to the rink to, you know, how breezy our travel schedule is to the city itself and the nightlife, you know, the, the city is just awesome. And to be able to go to Europe and be speaking English um, is unique in itself because uh, I had a small stint in Austria where you know, only half the team does speak English and the other half are broken English. And there might be one or two translator type guys in the room, but it's, you know, it is not the same. And I got teammates ordering my lunch and I, you know, can't communicate, you know, and it's so important for me to, you know, I realized that, you know, I, I want to be able to communicate to whoever I'm around with. And so uh, back to Belfast year four after a year off, couldn't be more excited. And, uh, and yeah, that's uh, very grateful for the opportunity to return. Yeah, absolutely. And I know someone that's followed that has gone through a similar career trajectory with his playing career as you, and he's been on a, as a guest he's multiple times. Devin Didiometti, uh, he has played overseas with a bunch of different countries, Italian league even for. I didn't even know there was an Italian league when he mentioned it to me. But he mentioned one thing. He says sometimes if you want to prolong your playing career, you got to be a road scholar. Sometimes you just have to. You got to uh, pick up the suitcase and just get ready to knock on doors, travel places, and find that next opportunity. That's what it boils down to. Even if it is, you know, in Europe and lower leagues, that's sometimes if you love the game and you have the passion, you want to be on the ice, you want to be part of that environment, one of the guys still be on the ice in a team environment at a professional level, you got to be willing to do that, right? Make sacrifices, travel, go to foreign countries, you know, where the obviously the predominant language isn't always English. You know, you're, you're fortunate, obviously, to be in Northern Ireland where it is. But, you know, obviously in other countries, not the case. And you've got it's an adjustment and it's a little culture shock, I believe, in, in some cases for a lot of players that do that, for the, especially for the first time. So uh, but sometimes you got to do that, as you mentioned, uh, Kevin, to uh, prolong the pro career. I want to talk about Ireland specifically. What's the cut? I haven't been there. I haven't even been to the UK, but I want I, one thing I want to do, Kevin, is I want to travel more now that we get through this pa bloody pandemic once and for all travel see the world, see different places. And Ireland's probably on that list of places I want to get to eventually. 
England, uh, more places in Europe. What's the uh, environment like? How have you enjoyed being there? What, uh, in terms of hockey interest, yeah, what's it like? Is it getting better? Is it getting stronger? Could there be a day where hockey is a big-time thing? And not only Ireland, but the entire UK. We don't think of the UK as very much into hockey. Do you see a, a pathway where things could change in the next you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years? So the introduction of the Belfast Giants to Belfast happened in the year 2000. Um, and they introduced the team intentionally uh, to have a place where the city can unify. Because, of course, everything is football, everything's rugby. And because these teams and clubs have been around for so long, if you cheer for this club, you are Catholic. If you cheer for this club, you are Protestant. And there is that divide that's just been, you know, the political divide we touched on earlier, where it's kind of like, well, where do we go to be together? You know, and so uh, Belfast Giants are in, you know, what call it neutral territory in the middle of the city. Uh, we wear teal, which is, you know, a neutral color. And they don't, uh, they don't do an anthem before the game. And so they got to uh, come together right, as puck drops. And it's like, it's such a special place. Oh, the Beatles. You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> and, yeah. and so, you know, hockey itself, at least in Belfast in the UK, uh, of course, they have, you know, the other sports that are just so deeply rooted in the culture to wrestle against, um, which make it tough. But, you know, in the case of Belfast, especially, uh, you know, I've had I've had fans in tears telling me how special the club is to them, given that it's a place where they get to go, where there is no noise politically and where everyone does get to be together and wear the same colors. And to me, that's just so special and it's special to be a part of. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the, the future of the game, at least in Belfast specifically, you know, I think what you what you truly need is is a lot of opportunity for for youth to play hockey. Um, and so in the entire, uh, you know, Ireland, Northern Ireland, there's only two skating rinks and it's the big rink that we play out of the SSE arena, as well as the Dundonald ice bowl, which is like community center. Uh, and so there's only two rinks. And so, you know, with that simply, there's just not enough ice, not enough, um, you know, opportunity for kids to get on the ice and to play. And, you know, of course, because of that, there isn't much for, uh, you know, minor hockey programs. And then on top of the rinks, minor hockey programs, there's also not the people to run that and the coaching and the, everything that comes along with that. And so, um, you know, I think it's, it's uh, there, there are players that come out of it and there is, uh, you know, the junior giants and it's a, just a small, uh, you know, I mean, in terms of uh, what we would call a big minor hockey association, it's a very small, you know, we're talking one team per age group, uh, group of kids uh, playing hockey over there. And so, you know, I, I, like I said, there's just a lot of different barriers to, to getting more kids playing, which would then have more, uh, more interest built. But, uh, you know, the interest that is there is very passionate, very deep and, uh, you know, the fans in Belfast are, are absolutely incredible. And the experience in the SSC arena is amazing. Um, wow. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, the futures, you know, it's, it's all about getting people on board with it because anybody you talk to who says that they have experienced a game said they loved it. And often and so many times, of course, because it was the first introduction to hockey, everyone's story is like, yeah, went once, haven't missed a game since kind of like that kind of story. So the more people you can kind of recruit into that, Hey, have you ever been? No. Hey, well then come on out. And then that's how you build, 
build that fan base to you know even, even greater scale it's about getting them into the arena once and then once you get them in once you feel like you you, you know you're that fisherman that's got they got the fish you know he's reeled them in and, yeah. he, and you got them for good uh, that could be the case there you know you get them in the building once they see one hockey game they fall in love with the sport and look the fact they've got at least some youth uh, programs starting to establish mm-hmm. themselves hey it's a little step but it's a step mm-hmm. and, you, and you can't make that giant leap until you take that first little step mm-hmm. and and that's definitely a good to see that's pretty damn cool though when you told me come together by the beatles is used as oh. they drop the there just to me here come old flat top he comes moving up slowly no i'm a big uh, karaoke guy and i love music so don't get me going kevin with that well you're gonna get me i'm gonna turn this into a concert and that may not be a good thing with my voice but uh nevertheless uh, that's awesome though it sounds like it's a good environment does the crowd get loud like a like let's say it's a playoff game does do you find that crowd when you're playing at home in that arena it makes a difference it gets rocking man like i mean wow um it's uh it's a special place and we pack the place it's uh i think the rink holds something like 7500 8000 fans and you know of course with the covid we don't know how many we're going to be able to seat in the building uh hopefully we can have it packed uh but yeah no we've had some big games scored some big goals and the the place has been shaken no doubt uh excellent fan base and you know shout out to boomerang corner who is uh the loud corner of the rink and they always got the drums going the banners flying and the chance for you know for everyone so it's uh i just can't wait to be back i can't wait to be able to go back yeah look out belfast northern ireland in that arena we've got a little nassau coliseum developing here one of those arenas where it's not as much a capacity as some other arenas but the crowd that's in there it's loud they make their presence heard uh it's pretty cool uh definitely uh sounds like it's a great environment to play in front of uh we will wrap up with you kevin in just a few minutes the last thing i wanted to bring up is what you're doing with the youth you know in terms of your, you got a hockey i think skills development program that you are uh, doing and have started in the last, I think, year and a bit. So tell us a little about that. Yeah, so I've launched, uh, it's called Personal Best Hockey, which, uh, you know, was originally aimed at growing the game in Northern Ireland, uh, you know, by trying to create opportunity for everyone to try the game, play the game. Um, and uh, it's been uh, it's been a tough one in terms of red tape. And then, of course, the ultimate red tape being that everything shuts down and and I've had to return back this way. Uh, the unfortunate thing in the development of personal best hockey and its original aim is that, uh, you know, I was on a ancestry visa, which was basically me committing long term to stay in Belfast in order to uh, be able to get a UK passport and then be able to transition into doing the personal best stuff full-time afterwards. Now I'm in a situation where, you know, visa implications of, you know, the technicality in there saying that you can't be out of country for certain periods of time throughout the duration of each of those five years. I think it's 180 days out of every year you have to remain in country. Uh, COVID has seen me gone for 400 and something odd days. And so, you know, hopefully be given some forgiveness uh, for the sake of being able to continue um, with whatever personal best hockey turns into. Um but you know, it's uh, it's more uh, a message uh, than it is you know what it physically is, and that's to encourage people to be their personal best and to be in continuous pursuit of your personal best, you know, and whether that's in hockey or life or or anything you're you're aiming at, 
you know, uh, the, the attempt to be your personal best and the pursuit of that, uh, you know, if, if that's what your aim is, you, you'll end up all right, you know, and, um, just encouraging everyone to, uh, you know, if you're, if you haven't played hockey and you want to try it, try it. If you are, you know, looking to gain that extra edge, well then like, let's gain that extra edge. Or if you're, you know, on the life side of things and in the discussions I've been having and, you know, if you're, if you're having a tough goal, then, you know, let's talk about that. If you, you know, see things that you can be doing a little better to then see ripple effects for better for yourself, you know, let's make those small steps so that eventually we can gain a stride, you know? And so just encouraging everyone to be their personal best as I continue every day to strive for my own personal best. And that's so true. It's just try to be better than you were the day before and have that ambition to do it. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. uh, the best season I had in a certain sport for me, work-wise, two years ago, I'll try to do do that. You know, try to be better than that. You always try to, you always try to improve, right? You don't Mm -hmm. want to stay stagnant and say, okay, I finally reached the point where I think I'm doing good enough because then you don't have anything left to strive for. You've got to still have that ambition, that next goal. And try to keep on improving and keep on perfecting what you do, whatever it is in life. Uh, and as long as I think you keep that mindset, it's always going to put you in the best case. Don't get complacent. Mm-hmm. You know, that's absolutely the best thing I think uh, I could say in terms of advice. And don't get satisfied and, you know, don't get that fat and happy uh, mm-hmm. mindset going, you know, or, hey, I've done this already. That's good enough for me. No, because then you get left and saying, well, this is good enough. And you don't have that uh, drive to push yourself to be better uh, and achieve another level. Uh, and I always try to remind myself, always try to be better, you know, than you were the day before, the week before, the month before, the year before. Uh, and it keeps you uh, with something to uh, strive at uh, for uh, each and every single day. Um, and by the way, uh, I love uh, that you're doing that and trying to get, you know, kids involved in hockey and helping them perfect their skills. Uh, I could I couldn't even perfect skating properly, so that's why I never even came close to uh, playing. That's why I'm a great hockey uh, analyst and observer, and I love the sport. Watching it, unfortunately, playing it never got there for me, uh, unfortunately. But uh, at least we found other ways to get involved from a, a sports perspective for sure. And like I say, passion for sports my whole life, and you sound like you've had that for hockey as well, playing it specifically uh, over these years. Uh, absolutely a blast it was. Uh, Kevin, uh, having you uh, join us here on a special edition uh, of the Ice Guys uh, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, pro hockey player Kevin Rain. We thank him for joining us. Uh, Kevin, I'll definitely be keeping in touch with you over the months, and I wish you all the best as you uh, begin once again playing uh, overseas in Belfast in the EIHL. Definitely keep an eye on how you're doing over there. Uh, in terms of uh, Twitter, I mean, all of our viewers and listeners are interested. How can we follow you? How can we keep in touch with you? All that stuff. But uh, do you use Twitter? Are you on Twitter right now? And if so, uh, where can they find you at? Well, if you find me on Twitter, it's make it rain 11. That's, uh, you know, in the spelling of my name, of course. And um, yeah, I'm not very active on there. I do see what comes up and it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I try to be a little bit more active on there. I have been active with, you know, the news coming up of uh, going back to Belfast and such like that. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow me on uh, whether it be Instagram or Twitter, the Instagram is, is simply my name, no space. And uh, the Twitter is make it rain 11. All right, there we go. Awesome stuff. Thank you very much to our special guest, uh, Kevin rain. Uh, for joining us and we wish him well 
as the uh, hockey season overseas uh, is going to be uh, getting uh, underway in the not too distant future. And thanks to all of you for joining us, uh, watching uh, this uh, show and also downloading the podcast, the Ice Guys podcast, and listening to it uh, on the uh, Hockey Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed this special edition. We're deviating from betting for once and talking about some other things. It's been pretty fun to do that. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in and thanks to our special guest, Kevin Rain. I'm your host, Ian Cameron. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.